you want to give love to the city, that's a fact. But you're going to need help if you want to make an impact. Well endowed, you want to be well endowed with the Edmonton community. Things really happen when you find that you're well endowed. Hi everyone, welcome to the Well Endowed podcast brought to you by Edmonton Community Foundation and a proud affiliate member of the Alberta Podcast Network. We bring you community discourse about amazing organizations and people who come together to help make Edmonton strong. I'm Elizabeth Bonkink. And I'm Andrew Paul. We've got a great show for you this month. We'll head down to Harlech Park to get the lowdown on the Free Will Shakespeare Festival's 30th anniversary season. And we'll hear from Beth Dart and Elise Jason about On the Margin, a site-specific play that you can find at the Found Festival this month. But first, we're going on a rafting adventure with the Riverwatch Institute of Alberta. Riverwatch is an award-winning environmental monitoring group with a strong focus on education by getting students out of the classroom and onto the water. Students climb into rafts, float down the North Saskatchewan, and conduct hands-on experiments to determine the health of the river. This summer, grown-ups will also be welcome to float down the river. This group is launching their Edmonton River Ambassador Outreach Program over July and August. Ambassadors will be right here in our river valley engaging in conversations and providing eco-raft tours for curious Edmontonians. Our intrepid intern, Janelle Jensen, ventured down to the water to find out more. Have you ever had questions about our river here in Edmonton? Have you wondered how safe it is for your pets or how to access the water? The Riverwatch program has been committed to answering these questions. Since beginning 24 years ago, this program has assisted over 125,000 young scientists eager to answer one big question. How healthy is this river? I was able to join the floating adventure with the River Watch staff alongside 75 biology students. We first caught up with Cal Coleman, the program's founder, to talk with him about the journey we were about to embark on down the North Saskatchewan River. In the background behind us right now, our staff and equipment bus and rafts are just arriving ahead of the students and they'll get all organized. And in 45 minutes, we'll welcome nearly 100 students pouring off their school buses, their, their cheese wagons. We'll say to them, so good morning, welcome to Riverwatch. What are you going to do today? And they'll all say, we're going rafting. And, and then they'll realize that's not the answer their teacher wants. So they go, well, we're here to do science. So we've got this magic combination of a kid-sized urban adventure aboard rafts combined with the science curriculum. And uh, that's why it's such a big draw. 10,000 students a year do this. So today when we go floating, what are we in for? What is going to happen when we get on the river? Chaos. It's just chaos. So uh, <laughs> if you can imagine to start off, it's like boarding an aircraft. You know, everybody's a little tense and a little nervous. And it just takes five minutes out in the water, and then it's all calmed down and orderly. So we go from 75 people spilling off of yellow cheese wagons in a park looking for adventure to downsizing them to their raft guide and just uh, maybe 17 students. And that group explores the river valley and it's a, a, a day-long conversation to answer that question how healthy is this river as we continued our float we were able to learn more about the environment and busted some popular myths regarding the health of the river we are going to use the scientific method to answer a question how healthy is this river when i ask is this river healthy am i asking is it good quality drinking water or is this a good sustainable ecosystem do you guys understand why those are two different things? Yeah. yeah, okay, perfect. So we want to know, is this a good, healthy ecosystem? So uh, once we have a question, what's the next step in our scientific method? Hypothesis. A hypothesis, perfect. What is a hypothesis? 
educated it's an guess. educated guess, right? So I want all of you guys, okay, to make an educated guess about how healthy this river is. So maybe all your prior knowledge is what you've seen so far today, or maybe you know something before you came here. And you're gonna rate the river out of five. So a one is the lowest possible rating. This river is super unhealthy, nothing can live here. And a five is the highest rating. This river is super healthy, and lots of stuff lives here, and it's great. And everyone's gonna make a fist up in the air, and I'll show the number we've chosen all together. Ready, set, go. Got a lot of threes and fours. <laughs> All right, so we're saying it's, you know, a bit higher than middle. So what do we have to do next in our scientific method? We have to do some experimentation and observations. Next, we landed on shore where students were able to conduct experiments about the water quality. Here is what they found. The main goal is to see how they dissolved oxygen concentration in this water. So whether to see if it's uh, good for fish and other organisms and and um, see if the plants are doing our job, and if not, then we might have a problem in terms of our uh, uh, biodiversity in the, in the water. We tested the temperature in the water and outside of the water, and also the... Clarity, clarity of the clarity water, the clarity of the water. Of the water. <laughs> okay, why did you guys do that? Um, it kind of tells us a little bit about how the light is penetrating the water, and then also, the, therefore, how much photosynthesis is occurring, and then oxygen that is being absorbed and used by animals. Okay, we had the quote-unquote inferior results, and uh, they were, because we had seven, so which means that that's seven milligrams per liter of oxygen that was dissolved in the water. That was uh, borderline healthy, borderline very healthy, so right in the middle there. So we have a healthy river. Yeah. When you look out on the North Saskatchewan River here, it, uh, it carries a lot of silt. It's brown, and people equate that color with not very good water quality or not very good health but the data shows that's wrong and uh, what I explain to people is this is an older river it's uh, a lot farther downstream from the mountains than the Bow River is in Calgary Calgary's river is a younger river so it's uh, it's clear it's uh, faster it's um, not carrying the, the workload that this older more mature river is and uh, all rivers uh, have this lifespan and as they get closer to the finish they're older and do more work and they look brown and my oldest son's grown up with River Watch. River Watch is my fourth child and, and my oldest son says you know dad I, I hear what people say about the North Saskatchewan River and I, I think they just gotta love the brown through town. That's just the way it is. Thank you to Cal for helping us learn more about the river. Next, we chatted with Craig Stumped Allen, Director of Grants at Edmonton Community Foundation, to find out why they decided to help fund the River Watch program. Well, there was quite a bit that our committees liked about this request, um, but three things really stand out. One is that it's leveraging summer staff that they're already hiring and training. So they hire these ambassadors for May and June to run student and school programs on the river. Um, but now they can engage them for two more months, working with the public, teaching them about the river, um, using those skills more effectively for a longer period of time. The second was that it was based on a pilot. Now, the pilot was run in Calgary, and of course, Calgary has a very different kind of river system and different usage along their river. But the committee was convinced that there was good potential for success in teaching people about the river, the valley, um, and hopefully starting to change 
attitudes and behaviors about the river. And then the third is that it's quite timely because it builds off the Way We Green report from the city and all of the interest that's happening right now around Accidental Beach and people already wanting to go down to the river. And this is a way to teach them more about the river and the valley. So why is this program important for the Edmonton community? I think it's really important for Edmonton because the valley is a huge asset for us. It's the biggest urban park in Canada. Um, according to the numbers I've seen, I think it's the third largest in the world urban park. Um, so it's this tremendous asset. It's right there. We have to make use of it, but we have to make responsible use of it. So there's no harm in people enjoying the river and the valley, but let's make sure that we do it right. Um, and there's also a great opportunity to um, learn more about our environment. I'm learning a lot of new stuff I didn't know about the, the city of Edmonton. Like, I didn't know that we had a, a landfill. I didn't know about some of the different embankments and where the North Saskatchewan flowed and how vital it is to not only our environment, but our economy and our way of life. A lot of people use this water. It goes all the way down to Ontario, even farther. So I think it's important that we take care of it for the people and the animals that are living in it. Everyone is, needs to stay healthy and happy. Why should we care about the environment? Because it's all around us, it's where we live, we have to take care of it. We're going to be living here for a long time. It's not only us, it's the environment, it's the plants, it's the animals that uh, need this river and need this ecosystem in order to survive. So it's all mutually beneficial. If we take care of it, then, they, then they'll survive and thrive. The environment's here forever and we're not, so we need to leave it for whoever's coming after us and for our future generations too. Everyone is involved in the environment, so if we don't take care of it, it's not going to take care of us. We want to send a special congrats to the River Watch program as they were recently presented with the Natural Science and Engineering Research Council of Canada Award for Science Promotion and the Emerald Award for Shared Footprints during the Environmental Week in Calgary, Alberta. Thank you to Cal and the River Watch staff for an awesome day of fun and learning. Thanks to Cal Coleman and the River Watch team for taking us on such a great adventure. And thanks to Janelle Jensen for reporting the story. If you want to get out on a raft with these fine folks this summer, tickets are available through Eventbrite under River Ambassador Eco Float Trip Edmonton. Or check out the show notes of this month's episode where you can find the link on thewellendowpodcast.com. Though Edmonton's regular theater season has just come to a close, the Freewill Shakespeare Festival is just getting going. And this year they're celebrating their 30th anniversary in Horlick Park. This season they're presenting Hamlet and Comedy of Errors until July 15th. We sent Andrew down to Horlick Park to find out more. Every summer, for the past 30 years, the Freewheel Shakespeare Festival has descended upon Horlick Park to present the best of the bar to Edmonton theatergoers. But this is no small feat. Featuring a comedy and a tragedy, the team of more than 50 actors, directors, set, costume, lighting, and sound designers work with Mother Nature to create a truly unique theater experience. I caught up with artistic director Marianne Coppathorn to learn about the company's humble beginnings, its exponential growth, and what we can expect to see on stage this summer during Free Will's 30th anniversary. Welcome to the Well Endowed Podcast, Marianne. Uh, how are things going for the 30th annual Free Will Shakespeare Festival? Oh, they're going pretty good. Um, we're in good shape. It's a beautiful sunny day right now, and uh, um, it's our first preview day. So um, this is a, a, a good omen and a good start for things to come. Excellent. Uh, so maybe you can take us back to uh, 1989 uh, when Free Will started uh, 30 years ago. Can you tell us a little bit about the origin story of the festival itself? 
Yeah, um, there was a group of BFA acting grads who uh, had decided that Edmonton needed um, Shakespeare in the Park. Um, I think they, some of them were involved for a little while with something that was going on in Calgary, and so they decided, hey, we're, we're going to make this happen, and they did. And uh, it was a pass-the-hat affair for a while, and I think they're, like their first, maybe their first year they had a budget of a thousand dollars and and so gradually as uh, as time passed you know gradually um, the theater company became um, a fully professional not-for-profit theater organization um, that hires equity actors and production values uh, started to soar as far as lights sound actors being miked uh, and all of that and and now it's sort of developed into a, a situation where we have a budget of over a, a half a million dollars and we end up hiring about 50 artists and staff in the summer to do the whole run. Uh, how many years have you been uh, AD of Free Will? This is my 10th season. I started out as an actor. Uh, James McDonald um, hired me to play Lady Macbeth in 1999 opposite my husband John Wright and um, then I acted for uh, a few years and then when John Kirkpatrick became artistic director then I guest directed for a few years and then I became artistic director in 2009. And so maybe you can tell us a little bit about what you have uh, on deck for the 30th anniversary. Uh, What shows will people be able to see? Sure. Uh, Dave Horak, um, a wonderful uh, local director in town, is directing Comedy of Errors, and it's a, a real, really fun gender bend. The two antipholuses are usually played by men, but they're being played by women this year, uh, Christy Hansen and Belinda Cornish, um, and that, that's going to be really fun. It's, it's very entertaining. And then we're doing Hamlet, starring um, Hunter Cardinal. Yeah, uh, so can you tell us a little bit about Hunter and how things are going with uh, his second lead uh, since 2016 because he was uh, playing Romeo and Juliet two, two seasons ago now. Yeah, that's right. And I, I was just so pleased um, with the work that he did in, in Romeo and Juliet and so I asked him if he'd play Hamlet. And my the reason for that is because like a lot of the time I often see, you know, movies, um, productions where Hamlet is usually played by a 40-year-old and I just wanted to see what it would be like to see a young man in his early 20s dealing with the things that he has to deal with as opposed to somebody who's almost 15, sometimes even 20 years older, right? It's a totally different perspective. And in our production, um, there's the same ratio of men to women. So a lot of women are playing roles that are, that usually go to men, like his best friend Horatio is being played by Bobby Goddard. And um, those two were really, really close friends. They were in the same class in BFA at uh, the University of Alberta. So that's a really neat relationship. And Rosencrantz is female. So it's nice it's nice to have more females involved than just Ophelia and Gertrude, right? It's really interesting and wonderful. I'm I'm uh, I'm thrilled with it. It's it's going to be great. Get thee to a nunnery. Why wouldst thou be a breeder of sinners? I am myself indifferent honest, but yet I could accuse me of such things that it were better my mother had not borne me. We are errant knaves. All Believe none of us. Go thy ways to a nunnery. All right. Well, welcome to the Well Endowed Podcast, Hunter. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about your uh, role this year with uh, Free Will Shakespeare Festival? Yes, I am playing Hamlet in the show called Hamlet. I was chatting with Marianne a little bit, and she was talking about how it's quite interesting to have a Hamlet that's actually a little bit younger than what she has traditionally seen uh, in the role, where uh, the men are usually about 40 years of age. Um, Maybe you could tell us a little bit about your view of the character 
character Hamlet and what really sort of stood out or standing out for him uh, when you were researching your uh, your role? Yeah. Well, I was trying to really, you know, fight my perfectionism. Um, so when I was uh, figuring out, okay, what's my in with Hamlet, you know, being a 24-year-old, um, I wanted to, like, really stay up in the clouds, if you will. Um, and the one thing that really stuck out for me um, based off of my, you know, uh, readings of indigenous feminisms, actually, um, was a really interesting idea of an enforced Western perspective of masculinity. And for me, this image of this ghost, um, that is, you know, uh, the image of what Hamlet probably thinks a man should be, um, and this idea of enacting revenge, really resonated with me too, um, just trying to figure out and, and revitalize what an indigenous masculinity actually looks like when it's not um, under duress. What is the core of who we are um, as uh, in our language, uh, which is Nehewewin um, Napueo, um, which is um, a man, I'm really getting at the core of that. So for me, as a young indigenous male, having this idea of you should be this, but that idea, that, that ghost of what you think should be who you are, you can't actually live up to that. And that disenfranchisement that someone feels, that rage, um, the betrayal of not only their family, but parts of themselves um, by themselves is something that, you know, really fascinated me. And that's kind of how I started taking um, my first steps into this role. Are you honest? My lord? Are you fair? What means your lordship? That if you be honest and fair, your honesty should admit no discourse to your beauty. Could beauty, my lord, have better commerce than with honesty? Aye, truly, for the power of beauty will sooner transform honesty from... Can you tell us a little bit about uh, what the shows will actually look like, maybe some of the costumes in the set? Yeah, they, um, there's, just because there's a, a really fun gender bend that's happening in Comedy of Errors, it sort of takes place on um, a backstage lot of a, mo of a movie set, right? And so the costumes are really funny because the, the, the show as it goes on, we, we, we meet all these characters, but while it's going on, um, there's all these people wandering back and forth from from job to job. Like, so for example, while one scene is going on, you might see like the cast of the Seven Dwarves having lunch or something, or you might see somebody look looking like Marilyn Monroe walking past, but when they turn around, it's Marilyn Monroe in drag. Um, so there's women in male drag and there's men in, in women drag. It's just a little bit of a, a, a gender bender fun kind of kooky, wild exploration of all that so the costumes are really fun because they're sort of Hollywoodish and they're, they're very bright and, and beautiful and, and super fun and how about Hamlet? Hamlet, uh, the of course you know with Hamlet it's, uh, it's, it's a lot darker and uh, the darker tones of the you know that the 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 dark, the dark brooding Dane. So you'll see you know you'll see Hamlet in black for sure. But um, it's uh, very tastefully done, and the setting is sort of like in a place that calls itself Denmark. It, it, it's got a very contemporary feel to it. It might borrow a little bit from the past, or it might um, borrow a little bit from the future. But it's sort of happening now in the real world. Yeah. We can all imagine all of the interesting things that come up trying to set up an outdoor festival and execute it properly. Does that ever get easier season after season dealing with uh, some of the weather and uh, whatnot? 
you can't worry about things that you can't control. So Mother Nature is going to do what she's going to do, right? Uh, but she does cause a lot of trouble sometimes, and you just have to go with it. Like earlier uh, last week when we started our tech week, um, there was a lot of damage down down here because there was a, a big windstorm. So the actors had to, we had to go back in, indoors while they sorted things out here. And um, there was damage all over the park too, you know. it's um, well, Then once it got cleaned up, the sun started to shine and we came back down. And uh, it just meant that our um, everybody had to make comp compromises and just keep pushing to be able to be ready for this week but we have a really great team um, everybody's super generous with their time and it all it all seems to work out in the end it, it we've never we've never ever had to like um, forfeit completely except for that year that we had to go indoors in 2014 when the tent ripped we still had a season indoors so I just keep going until they tell me to stop <laughs> Absolutely. But the flip side of the coin as well uh, is that the festival bills Mother Nature as the ambiance director. Uh, could you tell us maybe one or two of your favorite moments where Mother Nature uh, really amped up uh, the production of the show? Yeah, I remember there was one year when we were doing Othello, and um, Othello was just um, about to strangle Desdemona, and she's in her, her, in her bedroom, um, and she has a, a, a very ill feeling about what what is about to happen and there was this electrical storm as a backdrop uh, there's all this like this beautiful pink and purple red blue sky and with all these spidery um little snakes of of lightning right it was there was no sound to the lightning it was just you would just see it, it was in the distance and it was just like it was just so pretty and i don't think that any designer would ever be able to to do that right. I think lighting designers are really um, jealous of Mother Nature down here when she does stuff like that. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Andrew. It was great to see you. Thanks to Marianne Coppathorn and Hunter Cardinal for giving us the scoop on Free Will's 30th anniversary. You can catch Hamlet and Comedy of Errors at the Free Will Shakespeare Festival in Horlick Park until July 15. And if you're looking to kick your summer Shakespeareans up a notch, they have a wide range of special events. That's right. There's an Alley Cat Brewery cask night on July 6th, an afternoon tea on July 8th, a Shakespearean feast on July 14th, and don't forget that Tuesday nights and Saturday matinees are pay-what-you-will performances. Visit freewillshakespeare.com for all the details. What's next, Andrew? Well, since we're on the topic of outdoor theater experiences, we're going to look at this year's Found Festival, which runs July 5th through 8th in all sorts of unique spaces around the city. Beth Dart is the artistic producer of Common Ground's Art Society and the Found Festival, and Elise Jason is this year's recipient of Common Ground's 2018 Fresh Air Residency, which helped her develop and stage her debut play On the Margin. Edmonton Community Foundation also has a special connection to On the Margin through our Young Edmonton Grants program. Here's my conversation with Elise about her experience producing her debut play and everything else you can expect to find at Found Fest this year. Welcome to the Well Endowed Podcast, Beth and Elise. Thank you. So, Beth, we'll start with you, and can you tell us a little bit about what the Found Festival is? Absolutely. Found Festival is Edmonton's Found Space Arts Festival. So we take performance out of conventional venues and directly into the community. So we've had theater in a grocery store, uh, poetry on the high-level streetcar, there was a, a concert in an empty swimming pool, you name it, whatever the artists think up. We find those venues and we make it happen. And what are some of the shows that you have going on this year? Oh my goodness, I'm so excited. I mean... Obviously, on the margin, which we'll talk about. Uh, we also have something called Oft on White, which is an old Strathcona murder mystery. So it's interactive. You meet up with a uh, group of characters, and then you go on a bit of a scavenger hunt to solve this mystery. 
Um, we also have uh, Nisipawayan by Jordan Co, which in Cree is to go down the hill to the river. So he's taken sound recordings of the spring breakup in the river valley, and he's creating a, a sound performance based on that. I'm so excited. Um, there's so many. There's so much exciting stuff happening for the festival. Uh, and what are some of the challenges that you face uh, using these found <laughs> spaces to produce uh, these shows? Absolutely. Um, especially when we go into uh, businesses or community spaces and try to explain what we're doing. A lot of people have very blank stares on their face, not quite sure uh, what we're asking for. But once they get a sense of, uh, of that we're really about showing off the community and the beautiful spaces that exist within Old Strathcona, people really jump on board. Uh, but this year we lost one of our venues because it got chopped down. <laughs> Oh, what what happened? <laughs> uh, we one of the pieces is called "Meet Me Under the Gnarly Tree" by Harley Morrison, and the tree that we wanted to do the performance at actually got chopped down. <laughs> so we're we're still on the hunt for a new gnarly tree. <laughs> oh my goodness! And you're opening on July fifth, yep. so that yeah. uh, is a pressing issue. Yeah, but it's moment. kind of not out of character for Found Festival because we're working with such unconventional spaces. Quite often we're we're scrambling at the last minute because, you know, we never know what this year's challenge is going to be. Uh, and as you mentioned, we're going to chat about uh, Elise Jason's On the Margin. Yeah. Uh, where is that taking place? That's taking place in trees. <laughs> it's down in the River Valley. Um, so the audience will meet on Saskatchewan Drive in 104th, and then part of the experience will be going down into the River Valley. So bring your bug spray and like probably wear some long sleeves because it does get pretty buggy in there. But it's a beautiful space that's really tucked away. You almost don't feel like you're in the city anymore. Uh, so Elise, can you tell us a little bit about On the Margin? Uh, what, what is it about? Uh, on the Margin is based on a true story of a woman who in 1982 on the Bow uh, Valley Parkway uh, was abducted from her car and then killed. And the reason sort of I wanted to make a show about it is because it was something that was sort of told to me as a kid because my dad was a material witness uh, in murder uh, where he, like, came across her car that she was abducted from. And then he would, like, always tell the dinner party, which was really weird. And I was like, wow, that's really messed up as a child. Uh, and then, like, the more I thought about it and, like, started listening to, like, true crime podcasts and, like, getting more into true crime, I was like, oh, that was an actual person. Man. Uh, and then just sort of wanted to create a piece about sort of her, all of her emotions and, like, everything that leads up to her death. And, like, how do, how do you deal with the, like, loss of life if you know, like, that person or, like, recognizing that it's an actual human? Yeah. Yeah, and what kind of research did you do? Um, you had access to your dad. Yeah. For one. Uh, <laughs> my my dad was always very private about this case, so I basically just like scoured the internet. Um, I came up with like uh, some transcripts. Uh, it's a pretty hard. I like I guess it wasn't covered as much, uh, but I did look at like the Lethbridge newspaper. I forget the name of it. Uh, the Calgary Herald, and then I also would look at like there's a forum online that like had an old detective from the case that was on, uh, like commenting on it. And also like her sister was on this forum. It was a trip. Uh, but yeah, so just what I could get hands on. And I think if I was to produce it another time, I would like go to Cranbrook, BC and like pull the transcripts. But like for the purpose of this show, I didn't have those resources. So 
next iteration of this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so who all is involved in the creative team for the show? So it's Kater Duho, who is uh, the director and the sound designer for the show. Uh, I'm the playwright, as well as a production designer, a term that I'm using loosely, <laughs> production designer, not playwright. Uh, Alex Dawkins is will be playing Jill, the main character. Um, we also have Andrea Murphy as our stage manager. Beth is obviously our wonderful mentor. Lana Hughes as our dramaturg. Uh, and then we have Perry Gratton as Dixon or our local creep. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and Sam Jeffrey as our fight choreographer. Yeah. Uh, excellent. That sounds like a stellar, stellar cast. Yeah, I'm yep. very, very excited about it. Now, you mentioned, mentioned that Beth is uh, playing a mentorship role, and that sounds like it's tied into Common Ground's um, yeah. Fresh Air program. Uh, Beth, can you tell us a little bit about that program? Absolutely. We started it last year, and basically it's an opportunity uh, for an emerging artist to come on board, and we work with them for about six months throughout the year. Uh, they receive a workshop presentation at NextFest, which is Edmonton's Emerging Arts Festival, and then they premiere their new work at Found Festival. So through the process, uh, we help them out with uh, grant writing, with production planning, with uh, development process, all that kind of stuff, as well as looking at the future of the piece. So once we get it up at Found Festival, then we'll also have a meeting afterward and talk about what the future of the piece can be and how Common Ground can support that. Uh, so can you walk us through uh, the program and what that process has been like for you? Yeah, it's uh, it's been really eye-opening about producing my own work uh, because it's something I'm really, really interested in doing professionally. Uh, but my training is as a theater designer. So I've only really known like the that side of it and like the design side of production. Um, and so, yeah, like getting everything together as a producer as well as a like playwright, which is something, again, I'm new to, has been... Uh, it's been really challenging, but also really, really rewarding um, because I get to see a lot of people in their growth and how their creative process works, uh, which is a great learning experience, which is what this residency is about. Yeah. yeah. Well, what is it like as a playwright to hand, uh, you know, your baby off to a creative team and watch them go through their own creative process, uh, learning what it is to them uh, before it reaches the stage? Uh, literally terrifying. <laughs> uh, at NextFest, Beth asked if I wanted to make a few remarks before we started the reading, and I was like, I can't. I'm like shaking in my boots here. So uh, uh, Kedra, our director, had to... I uh, give a little blurb about it. And then uh, after it was over, I was like, okay, I can I can do the talk back. I can like make meaningful words. Uh, but like before before that, I was like, mm, I let's just let's just get it over with. Uh, because like as trained as a designer, a lot of my ideas are like are, are very personal ideas, but also are in tandem with like a director or a crew or uh, the creative team. So I'm I'm working with people and we're all creating this one thing as a playwright. I was all on my own up there, <laughs> uh, but also like very rewarding uh, and also really uh, validating to have people be like, I really liked your story, but I feel like you could grow in these areas. And I was like, oh, this is what I want. Everyone's not just yelling at me. <laughs> you also mentioned that part of the uh, mentorship program involves uh, helping with uh, grant uh, applications. What did the Young Edmonton grant uh, help with uh, in the production? We are so lucky to have this grant because it basically means we can have our production aspects of like, we can have a set, we can have lights and sound uh, and a costume. Uh, yeah, I'm. we're so lucky to have this. Uh, and also it means that we can have actually pay for rehearsal space instead of like doing it in someone's living room or basement. Yeah, without, without this, we do have a lot of resources, luckily, from uh, Common Ground Art Society and from the residency. 
but this just like allows us to like have one more step in like creating it as a professional production and like give me the knowledge of being like oh this is something I need to know about for producing yeah we're very lucky to have it. Um, I think something that's really beautiful about, especially the first couple of times as an artist that you write a grant, is that you really learn how to distill the idea of the project down. And I think that's something that Elise did very beautifully in the application uh, that they put forward for the ECF Young Edmonton. Um, and that by doing, and I, you know, nobody likes writing grants, but when you do it, it does make you really think about how can I communicate this as clearly as possible, which really helps you kind of narrow in on what it is you want to accomplish. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Many thanks to Elise Jason and Beth Dart for sitting down with us. You can catch FoundFest July 5th through 8th and be sure to visit commongroundsarts.ca for all the details. We'll be sure to have all the links on our site. What's up next, Andrew? Edmonton Community Foundation has the privilege of working with some very generous donors to create funds that help support a wide range of charities throughout Edmonton. This month, we catch up with Jane Trentini to hear about why starting the Reno and Jane Trentini Family Fund was important to her. It provides funding for my seven grandchildren to decide what they want to do to give back to the community. We set it up after my husband built and uh, then sold at auction a couple of show cars and half of the proceeds of that went to create this family fund because I wanted something that was donated to last forever and to create a legacy fund and so I have grandchildren ranging in ages from 21 down to two years old now so every year when the ECF gives me my statement now and shows me what the 4% distribution is I take that number and I assign a certain amount to each one of the grandkids and the grandkids get to decide where it goes. You know, a little goes a long way, and you know, the kids don't know if it's $50, $100, or a million dollars, but they know that they're contributing to the community, and they're making a difference, and they don't care how much it is, they just want, you know, it's nice for them to participate, and it's fun for them. Many thanks to Jane Trentini for sharing her donor story with us. If you'd like to learn more about Jane and her family's fund, we'll have the link on our site. And we'll also share some information about how you can start a fund of your own. Every episode, we like to give a shout out to one of the excellent podcasts from the Alberta Podcast Network. So Elizabeth, what have you been listening to this month? Well, this month's shout out goes to Dave Berta Podcast. Dave Cornier has a blog of the same name called Dave Berta. It's one of the most followed blogs in politics in Edmonton. If you are a fan of the blog where Dave gives a summary of political events from the week, then you'll be sure to enjoy the podcast. He's joined by Ryan Hassman, who gives a different political view to the topics. And together they discuss politics, policy, and events from Edmonton, Alberta, and Canadian perspective. You can find it at daveberta.ca and on the CKUA radio app, where you can subscribe to all the amazing shows on the Alberta Podcast Network. We'll have a link on our website. We're nearing the end of our show, which means... News time! Yeah! We have just two grant deadlines to share this month. Take a listen to see if you or someone you know might be eligible for some funding. The first is for the Al Maurer Awards. These awards range from $500 to $2,500. They are for public service employees who demonstrate excellence and long-term commitment to their profession. And last are the Charmaine Letourneau Scholarships. The size of these awards vary and are for students who are deaf or hard of hearing. Applications for both of these student awards are due August 31st. Be sure to visit our website for more details about each of these student awards. We'll be sure to have all the links at thewellendowedpodcast.com. And that brings us to the end of the July edition of the Well Endowed Podcast. Thanks to all of our guests for sharing their stories with us. And thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. 
If you did, please be sure to share this episode with your friends. And if you're feeling really generous with your time, consider leaving us a review on iTunes. Leaving us a review is a big help, and we always appreciate your feedback. Thanks for spending time with us. We've been your hosts, Elizabeth Bonkink. And Andrew Paul. Until next time. The Well Endowed Podcast is produced by Edmonton Community Foundation. And is an affiliate member of the Alberta Podcast Network. The show is edited by Lisa Pruden. You can visit our website at thewellendowedpodcast.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And follow us on Twitter at the ECF. Our theme music is by Octavo Productions. And as always, don't forget to visit Edmonton Community Foundation at ecfoundation.org. Well Endowed.